1: This is Next Stop Mississippi. In for Sherita Brent this week, I'm Kevin Farrell, here with Mary Margaret Miller A Visit Mississippi. we got a busy day today. We're going to talk to Jane Marie from the Grammy Museum, Mississippi, to tell us about a conversation with Nigel Hall. The Mississippi Food Company's uh, Food Summit is happening now, so Daniel Doyle will tell you how you can get involved this weekend. It's Turkey Tuesday at the Mississippi Science Museum. We'll hear from Nicole Smith as she tells us more about the November twenty second event. Plus, we'll fill you in on the Stringer Alpaca Festival and the Corinth Green Market that are both happening this weekend. Also, if there is something going on in your area that you'd like folks to know about, you can call the show. The number is one eight seven seven MPB Ring. Our phone number is one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. 672-7464. Uh, you can also follow the conversation on Twitter. Search for the hashtag MS. So good morning, Mary Margaret. Hope that you're doing well this morning.
2: Good morning, Kevin. It's always good to share the studio with you. Um, I, I've had a great week. It's a beautiful day. Cold weather's moving in. Mm-hmm. So I'm feeling good about Friday.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, it'll be nice to... Although I, I, it's funny. It was, as warm as it's been, I heard this morning that the the temperatures are supposed to be twenty degrees below average, and I'm kind of like, cool weather's fine, but could we we could we stop with the extremes? You no, know, <laughs> we, we we only
2: do extremes in Mississippi. You know that.
1: So you brought along a guest with you this morning, so why don't you introduce them?
2: That's right. Kevin, part of the reason why I've had such a good week is we've got a new member on the staff at Visit Mississippi. Kamel King is in the studio.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me, and thank you for having me at Visit Mississippi.
2: Kamel's been a great um, addition to our, our already great team there. He's going to be running special projects for us um, at the uh, the tourism office, one of those being our Mississippi Bicentennial celebrations. Um, we've talked about this a lot on the show, but... 2017 Mm -hmm. marks 200 years of statehood for the Magnolia State and um, one of the projects we've been talking a lot about this week and we've begun to hit the road to share information about is the Mississippi Bicentennial Grants Program and that's a way to offer local communities, organizations, um, uh, different groups, historical societies, uh, our partner CVBs, an opportunity to build original public programming in their communities during the 2017 calendar year. So it's a really great opportunity. The first deadline is coming up on December 1st, but fear not, if you're not uh, quite prepared for the Bicentennial just yet, uh, we'll have deadlines monthly throughout uh, the next year. So for information on the Bicentennial grants, you can find that um, at mshumanities.org, the Mississippi Humanities Council. Our neighbors over here in the R&D Center are going, going to administer that grant in partnership with our office, and we're really excited about it. And so, folks, you can reach out to me if you have any questions, but do go to that uh, Humanities Mississippi Humanities website to find out um, more about the guidelines and, and get a copy of the application.
1: You know, that that sounds like a really great way to get the communities of Mississippi kind of involved, excited about the bicentennial celebration.
2: I hope so. You know, Kevin, um, I love my, my state service work, but I certainly don't know, sitting from my desk in the Woolfolk Building in Jackson, what's best for our communities around the state on the local level. So this is the way of allowing local folks to do uh, what really um, strikes, uh, hits home, strikes a chord with their community members.
1: We wanted to mention um, a new area website, the Gulf Coast Heritage Area website. Uh, It's uh, a new, uh, and it's a chance for you to discover the region's distinctive story to inspire your next trip to the Gulf Coast. Uh so Mary Margaret, do you know anything about these these heritage areas?
2: I do know a little bit about the the heritage areas and I will say I was on uh the Mississippi Gulf Coast National Heritage Area website on my phone this morning and it is awesome the mobile site is so easy to navigate literally like a scroll of your thumb and you can find so much information but we have three national heritage areas in Mississippi the Gulf Coast being one there's also the Hills National Heritage Area and the Delta National Heritage Area and you know each of these groups are distinct and they have varying missions but they really share a goal of celebrating our state's natural and cultural assets. So um, great groups, the National Heritage Areas are considered part of our National Park Service. Mm -hmm. So if you're one of those folks who has one of those super cool national parks passports and you like to get them stamped to every national park you visit, you can visit the offices of our three NHAs, uh, the the Gulf Coast offices in Biloxi, the Delta offices in Cleveland, and the Hills offices in Tupelo, and get your passport stamped when you visit those areas. And also, of course, find a lot of great information about um, area attractions uh, while you're there.
1: Yeah, and I think, again, the good choices there. That's kind of three distinctive areas of the state with, you know, we're all Mississippians, but each part of the state has some distinct culture, and, and certainly the Gulf Coast uh, fits in that as well. And uh, look forward to folks, uh, you know, uh, maybe finding out some new things to do uh, when they visit the Gulf Coast.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Rhonda Price is is our friend there at the Department of <coughs> Marine Resources, which houses uh, the National Heritage Area, and they've uh, got a lot of good uh, programs forthcoming. Um, I, I believe there's a, actually a big event this weekend at the Crosby Arboretum. So you may want to go on their website and um, check that out.
1: This is Next Stop Mississippi. Uh, we're waiting to hear from uh, Jane Marie, and we're going to be talking about an event at the Grammy Museum, Mississippi. Also, in the meantime, though, if you're listening and have an event that you would like to promote uh, the, in your area, you can give us a call and let us know about it. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. So, Mary Margaret, do you know of any other bits of good news that we could pass along?
2: Well, absolutely. Now, today's show, you know, I think, um, you know, just by a stroke of magic or maybe genius on the part of uh, Sam Wells, is really about um, farm-raised and handmade. Now, we're going to hear a little this morning from Jane Marie Dawkins at Grammy Museum Mississippi about their ongoing um, concert and conversation series, which I'm really excited about. But as we get prepared for Thanksgiving next week, I hope most of our listeners are going to have a short work week and an opportunity to relax and settle in with the family we're gonna be talking a lot about farm raised food a lot about handmade goods and um, and a lot about things you can get into between now and and the holiday
1: all right very good we do uh, have uh, Jane Marie on the line with us Jane Marie thanks for joining us this morning
2: thank you for having me
1: first of all tell us a little about who is Nigel Hall
3: so Nigel Hall um, he lives in New Orleans he's originally from the Washington DC area uh, he was a member of Lettuce and Soul Live. He's worked with a lot of different artists and um, as a producer. And he is a keyboardist, multi-talented artist who is um, he's a big big fan of old soul r and b. And he's kind of made his own style of music. Um it's like soul r and b funk. He's got a little bit of that New Orleans to him. Um, he's a really, really great guy that just came out with a new album last year, and so we're excited to do something that features him in the museum.
2: Well, and one thing that uh, has been such a treat for, I think, a lot of folks is that um, there at Grammy Museum, Mississippi and Cleveland, you've been bringing in all of these really cool artists that maybe we haven't heard of before. So I had never heard of Nigel Hall until we started working on the show this week. And Jane Marie, like my Spotify is full of him now. I mean, he's just a great player. So it's really great to get in kind of these uh, uh, different sounds, unexpected musicians into the region. How are, how are people receiving these? these artists?
3: I think a lot of people are surprised, um, especially, you know, when they come to the program, they don't even realize what they're coming to because there's just really not anything like this here. Um, Our model is just like the museum in LA where you and Grammy Pro as well, where you get to speak with these industry professionals and listen to their music, um, hear some samples and some stories behind the music. And so it's a completely different experience than just going to a big live show. Um, And also, you know, bringing in artists that people have not heard of that they get to explore and find somebody new um, that they may start listening to on their playlist, like you have been, is really, really awesome. And that's what we want to do here. We want to highlight artists that are maybe coming up into the front scene, but they've been working on projects and have been maybe in a studio making the music that you love and you just didn't realize it. that these are the artists behind that music, and that's what we are all about.
2: That's really cool. I think the notes that um, that you provided said that Nigel Hall is really one of the most in-demand side men in the biz right now. And and yeah. that, to me, that sounds like the best gig of all. You know, you get to go and do what you want um, without the paparazzi. Um, Absolutely. But, Jamie, talk a little bit more about kind of the style of these sessions. You, you say, you know, it's conversation as well. I mean, for those of us kind of of the 80s, 90s generation, you know, we think of like MTV Unplugged where... You know, the artist is on the stage and there's telling a few stories and playing a few songs. Is is that sort of what we can expect?
3: Yes. So um, our sound stage is inside the museum. It seats um, about 130 people. And so we have an interview segment. They usually the program start out with the interview segment. And um, whoever does the interview, I'll pull in someone that is an industry professional um, that knows a little bit about their, the process um, of recording music and songwriting. And so they will interview these artists on stage. Then the audience has a chance to ask mm-hmm. questions. And it's really it's like being in the living room with the artists. I mean, you're right there. You're talking directly to them. We offer something that no one really around here does. And then the artist performs um, maybe six songs or so, depending on how they feel. Um, they can go longer than that. And you really get, a, I mean, one-on-one kind of feeling
2: in our stage. Now that's that's great. And and w- when does this concert take place?
3: So Nigel Hall will be here on November 29th, um, right after Thanksgiving holidays, and the uh, performance, the the program is at seven o'clock. Great, and, and we still have tickets available on our website.
2: And and give us that website, Jay Marie.
3: It's Grammy Museum MS. Dot org, and you have to be sure to put the MS on there or you will go to the L.A. website and you'll be really confused.
2: <laughs> now, uh, Jay Marie, I know you're in charge of programming and education and, you know, are really staying busy bringing not only uh, tourists and travelers into the museum, but locals and students alike. But I do want you to tell folks a little bit as we sort of get in holiday mode, we're going to be talking about some holiday markets later, a little bit about the gift shop at Grammy Museum, Mississippi, because there's some pretty cool stuff in there that folks might be interested in for some holiday purchases.
3: Yeah, and we actually have um, we have a group from Mississippi College in the museum right now, some students with their choir. They're touring, um, and they're in town for a performance. So they're actually checking out the gift shop uh, as we speak. And we have some great, great items for gifts. Uh, we have some new vinyl we just got in, um, some really cool CDs that are compilations of lots of different Mississippi artists. We have Grammy CDs um, from different Grammy Award shows over the years. We have lots of fun t-shirts and Grammy Museum Mississippi merchandise that you can only get here in the museum and they really make great gifts and something else that makes it a great gift that people don't think about sometimes is a membership and we have lots of different levels and you can see those on our website and they make a great gift for a family member. They can use it for a whole year. Um, It's awesome.
2: Well, I'm glad you brought that up. The last time I was uh, with you guys in Cleveland, I ran into an old friend of mine, and she and her kids were in the museum. They were running around, and I was like, oh, that's great that you're enjoying the museum, and she said, look, we're members. It's too hot outside to go play. We just come to the Grammy Museum every day.
3: (laughs) It's always chilly in here in the summer because we have to keep everything at a certain temperature, so we love to advertise that.
2: (laughs) And tell us what exhibit is up right now. What special exhibit do you have?
3: Right now, our temporary exhibit is Stevie ray Vaughan, and that'll be here until i believe it's february 19th so there's still plenty of time to come and check that one out all
1: right uh, jane thanks for joining us this morning reminder the uh, intimate conversation with nigel hall will be november 29th at 7 p.m at grammy museum mississippi uh jane thanks for joining us this morning
3: thank you so much
1: uh before we go to break we have larry on the line from jackson who has an event that he'd like to talk about go ahead larry
4: Good morning, good morning. Appreciate you taking my call. Uh, we, the victim of violent crimes here in the city of Jackson, will be hosting the fourth annual Men and Women in Blue Recognition Program tonight at the Jackson Medical Mall. Now, this is previous to Detective Eric Smith's award. Detective Eric Smith was murdered here in the city of Jackson back in 2013. We're moving forward. We're recognizing officers. Uh, Officer Danny Hicks, it's, uh, JPD's Officer of the Year, we're recognizing Andrew McQueen from up in LaFleur County. He's a constable, Jerry Moore, constable here in the city of Jackson. Hi, i Well, I recognize our former sheriff, Tyrone Lewis, from 2008 to 2012. We're recognizing, honoring, rather, our chief investigator, Terry Gant, from the Yazoo County Sheriff's Department, and Corporal Derek Couch from the Clarksdale PD Department. Uh, Officer Couch was shot in the head while uh, making a call on the domestic well, making a domestic call. And uh, he was shot in the head, and he's, he's doing good. He's really doing good. And also we'll be honoring some retired police officers, Officer Bill Coleman from the Hattiesburg Police Department, John Smith, and also Bill Marshall from the Chicago Police Department. So wanting everyone to come out at 630, Jackson Medical Mall, at the community room, come out and, and, and just pay patriots to these fine officers who have dedicated their lives to protecting we the people of the state of mississippi thank you all very much
1: all right thank you larry yeah thank you larry for letting us know about that uh we need to take a quick break when we get back we'll have uh talk to daniel doyle with the mississippi food summit you're listening to next stop mississippi on mpb think radio MPB comes from the Christmas by Candlelight Tour, December 2nd, with holiday decorations and entertainment at six historic Jackson sites, starting at the Mississippi State Capitol. Complimentary transportation between sites available. Details at mdah.ms.gov. Welcome back. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Merrill sitting in for Sherita Brent this week. Here with Mary Margaret Miller of Visit Mississippi, also in studio with us from Visit Mississippi, Kamel King. So uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. We talked in the previous section with Jane Marie from uh, Grammy Museum, Mississippi, about a conversation with Nigel Hall, a performance that happens uh, on November 29th at 7. Uh, and now we're going to talk about the Mississippi Food Summit. Uh, joining us on the line is uh, Zach. Is that right, Zach. Oh, hang on. Sorry. We're getting him on the line, but uh the Food Summit is happening now, and uh, it's a chance for folks to get involved this weekend. There'll be some events taking place at the uh, Mississippi Ag and Forestry Museum in Jackson. And, Mary Margaret, you touched briefly on this, but this is all about the the, uh, the farm-to-table move, and, and what, a, what a great opportunity for folks to uh, appreciate the, the bountiful uh, harvest that you can find in Mississippi.
2: Well, this is true, Kevin, and what's really cool about uh, the Mississippi Sustainable Ag Network is they're just as much about consumption as they are about stewardship. stewardship. stewardship, about education. Uh, The summit that they're hosting um, started yesterday, Thursday, uh, at the Mississippi Ag Museum, and it was really focused on farm-to-cafeteria. Now, we all all talk about (laughs) farm-to-table because, you know, that's what we like to do is uh, enjoy Mississippi's foodways and great restaurants. Um, But what we're beginning to see is more Mississippi food in Mississippi classrooms, in cafeterias. So yesterday's sessions were broken into sort of three different um, areas. In the garden, in the classroom, procurement, you know, how schools can work with farmers. I mean, that's a complicated matter. And then um, on the farm. So really uh, teaching farmers how to work with schools. So um, they're really offering, I feel like, a lot of really hands-on, nuts-and-bolts um Information that's that's super helpful. Now today's session is really focused on farmer to farmer, so um, how these folks can um, work together, help one another, and offer best practices in business, but also in in agriculture.
1: You know, I think the idea of, of getting schools and in, schools involved, I've, I could even see a, a farmer working with a local school to have you know a garden on site there, and maybe using some of the the herbs or vegetables that are grown in the garden, you know, in in preparing food for the for the students in the cafeteria.
2: Absolutely. I, I, yesterday they had some school garden success stories offered um, of different uh, schools around the region from North Mississippi all the way through uh, the East and, and even into the Delta talking about how they've made uh, their school gardens work, how that's been a success. Um, and, you know, uh, today I know that the morning was, uh, you know, getting kicked off with um conversations about cultivating food justice in Mississippi, different, um, organizations that, uh, unite farmers and, um, and just different, uh, activists for farm workers, uh, you know, we're in attendance. I'm sure that was a great session, but one thing that they've got going on tonight, that's a, a little more accessible to folks who maybe are not farmers themselves, but, uh, there's a taste of Mississippi dinner taking place. And, um, you know, I think that's something we could all get involved in, um, not uh, not just the, the those really working the soil. I think
1: we've got Zach on the line with us now. Zach, thanks for joining us. Yeah, hey, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, you heard us talk a little bit about what's going on. Uh, tell us about more, some of the events that are planned uh, for the rest of the weekend for the Food Summit.
5: Yeah, well, I think uh, first, uh, you guys really hit the nail on the head with what you are saying earlier. Um, we are, the, sort of the purpose of the Food Summit is to be a large information share amongst a uh, very diverse group of stakeholders. And so, you know, when we talk about community food systems, the piece that we really talk about is that developing that takes the whole community. So on the side of producers and chefs and food service directors, but also on the side of eaters in the communities and community food advocates, people who are just getting the word out about how you can source more foods locally and put more money back into your local economy to support the organization's and the people that you're, you know, interacting with on a daily basis. And that's really what we're trying to do here with the summit um, is stimulate that and make some of those conversations possible and easier for people uh, to get together to talk about how to do that. Um, And so, yeah, one of the, uh, the, you guys mentioned the taste of Mississippi dinner tonight, which is probably the biggest event we have going on today that we're really excited about. Uh, It's the first time we've ever done it. And what we've got going on is we have several, local chefs from around mississippi some of them from the jackson area and they paired up with some of our local farmers to source food from them that they're creating into different dishes that are going to be highlighted during the dinner tonight um and then we've also got some awesome awesome uh drinks coming in uh from southern renaissance cocktail is, is doing a, a cocktail drink for the dinner uh we've got a mixture going on afterwards featuring beer from lucky town brewery some of the uh some of the Food guys that are that are participating include guys from, like, the Manship uh, Restaurant Tyler, the Apothecary and Prince Drugs, Floor Butcher, a, a lot of really great community partners, and then some awesome local farms in the area, like, uh, like uh, Native Sun out of Tupelo and Two Dogs Farms. And, and so we're really excited to be able to actually highlight what those organizations are doing and, and what they can offer um, in terms of local food.
2: And Zach, are, are, is that dinner open to the public? Could could Kevin and I get tickets?
5: <laughs> yes, you can still get tickets. Absolutely. Uh, the cost for the dinner is twenty five dollars. But if you purchase the ticket for the dinner, it also includes all the sessions today. And we've got we're just getting ready to go into our first breakout for the day. But we have um, some more breakout sessions happening. Some keynote addresses happening. Uh, we have Dr. Tyrone Hayes from out at Berkeley in uh, to give the large keynote address this afternoon at one thirty. And so there's there's some really awesome things happening this afternoon, too. So if, if you're going to be joining us for the dinner and you'd like to come to some of the uh, some of the talks and some of the workshops, there's some really cool things that are included in that ticket price.
2: Well, and that's cool. And, and talk a little bit about the three different sections that you've divided the breakout sessions into, because one is like a little more hands-on, um, one's a little more business, the other is, is about day-to-day work for the growers.
5: Right, right, exactly. And so... Sort of the purpose behind that was that we wanted to put on a conference that did have a wide range of appeal, so that we could we could really make it useful for a lot of different stakeholders to, to come and be a part of. Um, and so, depending on you know what your interaction with the food system is, we have different tracks that are sort of designed. Some of them are designed for specifically for farmers who are looking to get more experience or you know some some practical solutions for business and marketing for their farms um some of them are designed for people who are just interested in gardening and learning about more practical skills and getting some ideas for gardens that they might be cultivating themselves there's a really cool track called preserving the harvest that's uh it's got some workshops this afternoon like uh, on fermenting food which is done by lauren rhodes who runs a uh, a company here in town called sweet and sour jackson that is just phenomenal lauren is is a wonderful wealth of knowledge on fermentation. So if you have any any questions or curiosities about things like kombucha or sauerkraut, she is, she's fabulous. Um, there's also going to be in that track a, a great session called "Growing Local for Seasoning Cook for Seasonal Cooking." That's uh, featuring a partner team that is a chef out of Oxford working with um, a farmer from Tupelo to sort of talk about what does it look like on the sourcing side and how can you prepare that yourself in your kitchen. So depending on What you're looking for out of the food summit, there's uh, the track breakup sort of helps direct you to what can you practically, what knowledge are you looking for, and what can you take home with you?
2: That's great. Thanks so much, Zach. And now before we let you go, I'm just curious, you know, uh, and you may not have this data on hand, but, you know, how many food growers do we have in Mississippi right now?
5: You know, I can't give you a number just off the top of my head, but I can tell you that What we're seeing is that the number is growing, particularly with small farms. And the national average for for people who are getting into farming under the age of 35 is is really low. It's around 5%. Mississippi is actually a little bit lower than that national average. And so one of our goals is to boost that for people that are maybe looking for ways to get into farming that don't come from the background or trying to source land and provide them – with resources in other organizations like the National Young Farmers Coalition that's that's trying to boost that number as well. Um, But the the local food scene for sure is growing here in Mississippi. It's a movement that's been alive for a long time, and it's really starting to gain some traction. So we're really excited by that.
1: All right, Zach, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you need to try to find out more about the Mississippi Food Summit, you can go to msagnet.net. So that's msagnet.net for information on the Mississippi Food Summit. We need to take another break. When we get back, we will talk about Turkey Tuesday at the Mississippi Science Museum with Nicole Smith. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. From a sack, a 99-cent heart attack. I got a pound in hit enemy. Back and
6: a big I'm gonna live where the green grass my pop up night
2: The election is over, the nation has a new president, and a new chapter in history has begun. We don't know what lies ahead but NPR will continue to bring you the best coverage from coast to coast to help you make sense of it all. Listen every day. MPB Radio's local programs are available now as podcasts. Sure, you love your MPB mobile app. It streams your favorite program anytime you like. But when streaming's not the thing, say, in flight or driving on the Natchez Trace, download your favorite podcast and you've got it in your pocket. Available on iTunes or on any podcast app. Grab your local MPB podcast now.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. In for Sherita Brent this week, I'm Kevin Farrell, here with Mary Margaret Miller of Visit Mississippi. Also sitting in studio, sort of learning the ropes with us, is Kamel King from Visit Mississippi as well. So uh, next up on the agenda, it's uh, Turkey Tuesday is happening at the Mississippi Science Museum on November 22nd. Uh, let's invite Nicole Smith into the conversation. Nicole, thanks for joining us this morning.
6: Oh, thanks for having
1: me. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, what Turkey Tuesday is all about.
6: Well, we are celebrating Thanksgiving very soon, and what better way than to celebrate our actual wild turkeys that live here in the state by a series of crafts and investigations and observation stations for young children. We have a little mini event called Turkey Tuesday, and it's coming up this next Tuesday from 10 till noon, and we're going to do a lot of different things that help us understand our wild birds a little better.
2: Well, that's great. Now, tell us, um, one thing that you're doing is examining turkey feathers under a microscope. Now, in my opinion, you, know, you don't even need a microscope. They're so uh, really beautiful up close um, and personal. But what's the microsc- microscope bring to the picture?
6: Well, it really does uh, let you, fo- pardon the pun, but it lets you focus in <laughs> on the details of the anatomy Uh, It's very like a zipper in one respect. Like when you see a bird printing their feathers, they're not just recoating it with oil and waterproofing themselves, you know, against the elements. Uh, They're kind of realigning those feathers to make them warmer and uh, just to kind of get them in order. And so when you uh, put it under this microscope, you can see much better that detail. And that's the best comparison I can make. It is very much like the parts of a zipper to see them side by side and how they connect and if you hold them uh, a feather very closely to your ear and separate out the individual parts you can actually hear a little popping noise kind of like the sound of a zipper coming undone Mm. so it's kind of a great uh, sensory exploration of it and and when you pay a little more attention to the detail I think you have a greater appreciation for what these animals are so it's a simple thing, but it's a meaningful way of connecting to to this wildlife.
2: Well, and you have another anatomy exercise as well,
6: right? Called excellent, but I'm seeing,
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're on a roll. <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah, I can't help it. Uh, <laughs> it comes from a uh, uh, Wild Turkey Federation. It's an ag- activity they have. And it's a really about egg anatomy. So we do have some actual turkey eggs to look at. And we also have um, the types of eggs you commonly see in a grocery store. And what you'll get to do is look at one that's been opened up, and you get to see every part of the anatomy, what it looks like pre-fertilization, and get to understand a little bit about how the egg is this perfect, whole, complete thing for sustaining the life of that small fowl. So it's it's kind of a neat thing, and it really makes you, next time you make your breakfast, you might see it a different way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Nicole, this I think really illustrates kind of one of the missions of the museum, and that is teach kids about science, but have fun doing it.
6: Oh, absolutely. I think it's kind of my motto, a little science, a lot of fun, uh, because you you can have a great learning experience if you're having a fun time. And uh, so we even do that. Remember when you were a kid in school and you did the simple handprint turkey? Mm-hmm. Probably gave it to your mom some the refrigerator <laughs> somewhere. Well, we do that. I'm I'm not going to lie. We do the handprint turkey. But before you do your turkey, you actually meet our two mounted specimens, a male and a female. And uh, when you make your handprint, you get to determine the additional characteristics to trick it out to make it look like if you're making a boy or a girl it's not the obvious things that you might be thinking <laughs> uh, so it's, it's kind of a great way of you know you're doing something simple but you're learning a little more and that that's very appropriate for our younger kids so we've got something for a lot of ages we kind of start with ages 4 or 5 with this and kind of go up into early teens because of the you know the levels you can kind of take through with the activities And also we have a group of volunteers that are going to be here that day doing a guided hike on the trails as well. A little extra something special this year. The weather's perfect. It's going to be great for getting out there. So connecting to nature, connecting to being outside, and then these up-close investigations that um, bring things into focus.
2: That's wonderful. And this is Tuesday, November 22nd from 10 a.m. to noon um, at the Museum of Natural Science. And if folks want to learn more about what's happening at the museum now through the end of the year or learn more about Turkey Tuesday, tell them where to go.
6: Well, if you go to our website, if you look up uh, Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Park, you'll be able to um, learn a little bit more about all the things we have up on our calendar And as we're about to hit the holiday season, there's a bunch.
7: Great.
6: (laughs) Uh, We've got Snowflake Science coming up on December 2nd and December 16th. We like it so much we do it twice. (laughs) And it's an investigation about snow, something we dream about here in the South and don't see too often. But everything from uh, instant snow, which is uh, a polymer, to looking at dry ice, which is not snow but might remind you a little bit of it, and then we also do experiments with freezing points in water, uh, salt water, and fresh water. So it's, it's kind of it's a wonderful exploration of all these things we think about when it comes to snow, when it comes to ice that we may not have. A, you know, giving it too much thought, you know, just going a little deeper. And there's even a story time in this one. I don't know if you've heard of William Bentley, but he's the gentleman who uh, did the first photographs of snow. Oh, hmm. well, all right. And and they're absolutely remarkable. And there's this uh, award-winning children's book, Snowflake Bentley, about him, his life, and his photographs. And uh, we have this uh, wonderful volunteer who comes and tells stories about him. And we've got some uh, reproductions of his photos to share as well. So
2: that's, right. uh,
6: it's a great you know, combination of being an artist and being a naturalist. Absolutely. Okay. And so I think that's just beautiful. And the other event I'm like really proud of for this time of year is our Cajun Christmas event. And it's just as much fun as it sounds. <laughs> and that's going to be uh, December 9th. It's an evening event. And it's a little different. From all of the um, the Christmas events you see around town, because it's a little it's a little more subtle, you know. There's a interactive storytelling. There's Mississippi Boy Choir will be here. The Mississippi Girl Choir will be here. Uh, we will have this beautiful um, we call it the Blissful Christmas Trail that's going to be out in the front native plant garden, and it's not this overwhelming bright lights so That's pretty. It's more of a subtle. Uh, light experience because of these bliss lights that we use great all
1: right hey so nicole this- thanks uh, for joining us this morning lots of uh, great events coming up at the mississippi museum of natural science and so people can check those out we're going to move on next though and talk to uh, marianne striko with the stringer alpaca festival <laughs> marianne thanks for being with us on the show
7: you are very welcome thanks for having me
1: all right first i will admit off the top i don't think i know what an alpaca is or if i've ever seen one so for folks like me uh, tell us what is an alpaca
7: they are just big, cuddly, furry animals. They're part of the camelid family and they're used solely for their fiber.
2: Well, and I looked on your website, Marianne. Alpacas are adorable
7: they are they're just sweet and cuddly and wonderful
2: well and you have a lot of great information there but one of those um you know one bit of information you shared is really just how unique the alpaca fiber is it's hypoallergenic it's warmer it's softer it seems like the superior fiber
7: <laughs> it is it's the uh, back in olden times it was the fiber of the gods and they found lots of it buried in the Incan tombs and they originally come from Peru That's the only thing it's comparable to is cashmere.
2: How interesting. And tell us a little bit. You've got uh, the Alpaca Festival happening this weekend. You always do it the Thursday or the Saturday, rather, before Thanksgiving. What's the festival all about?
7: The festival highlights the alpacas and how we turn their fiber into beautiful finished clothing products. We also uh, have local arts and crafts vendors. We have food. We have the Dulcimer Group that comes and plays all day long. We have bounce houses and face painting. Something for everybody.
2: That's wonderful. Now, in Stringer, Mississippi, I, you know, I believe this is Jasper County. Tell us a little bit about where you're located.
7: It is Jasper County. We're uh, north of Laurel on Highway 15 North, and we're about 20 minutes north of Laurel and 10 minutes south of Bay Springs.
1: So how did uh, Stringer become associated with alpacas?
7: Uh, We relocated in August of 2012 from western New York. Sue Stringer. My son fell in love with a girl cooking catfish at Camp (laughs) Shelby when he was training to go to Iraq.
2: That is a beautiful story. Now, in addition to this weekend's festival, um, you guys also uh, at your farm there, you know, offer tours. Uh, And so tell us a bit about the tours, how many people you encourage to come and, and, you know, what that looks like.
7: We do group tours. Um, We do it from children's ages up to senior citizens groups, we tailor it to each group, we feed the animals and learn about them and pet them and then I show the whole process of turning their fiber into yarn and then we do a hands-on activity where we make a wet
2: felted soap
7: and we take their fiber and felt it around a bar of soap and you use that in the shower and then we have popcorn and water.
2: Now do you um, do you sell do you produce fiber yarn there and then sell that to the public?
7: I do. We have a store here that's open Tuesday through Saturday from 11 to 5, and we have yarn from all of our animals. They come in 22 natural colors, so we have all of that, plus I dye a whole bunch of the yarn also. And then we also have finished products. We work with Grace Covenant Church in Ellisville. Uh, They're building a school and an orphanage in Peru where the alpacas come from, and they bring products back, and we feature those also.
2: Oh wow! So that's kind of like a fair trade thing you've got going there.
7: Exactly.
2: And now, but alpacas are just one and one of the many animals you've got um, there on your farm. Tell us about the other critters. Yeah,
7: we we have an interesting menagerie. We have thirty-five alpacas. We have a llama. We have a miniature Scottish Highland cow. We have four Great Pyrenees dogs that guard the alpacas from things like coyotes. And assorted ducks and chickens and guineas
1: do they all get along
7: everybody gets along <laughs> so we
1: have almost got like the United Nations farm there that's that's amazing all the different animals from uh, different parts of the world so um, yeah,
7: we uh, everything and everything lives we don't have to kill anything to get a product here so that's the best part there for you us. go
2: absolutely now what's the best way to uh, to find out more information about Saturday's program what time are you gonna get started uh, the festival runs from nine until four great and, and if
7: anybody has any questions they can give me a call and my phone number is 716 or you can go to the website com, or we have a page on facebook for both the farm and the stringer alpaca festival
2: Great. And, and the name of your farm is, is A. Stroka. Stroka is your last name, S-T-R-O-K-A. Right. Uh, genus, G-E-N-U-S, correct?
7: G-E-N-E-U-S. And that's a little play on words because we breed for color. So that's where the gene part comes in.
2: All right. Clever. I like it. <clears throat>
1: All right, Marianne, thanks uh, Thanks for joining us and telling us more about the Alpaca Festival coming up this weekend. Time for one final break this hour. When we get back, we'll talk about the Corinth Green Market. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio.
7: election is over and the nation has selected a new president and with it a new chapter in history has begun we don't know what lies ahead but npr will continue to bring you the best coverage from coast to coast listen every day
1: Welcome back. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell, and for Sharita Brent this week, here with Mary Margaret Miller of Visit Mississippi. Also sitting in the studio with us, kind of learning the ropes about how we do things, is Kamel King from Visit Mississippi. So next up on our agenda, we're going to be talking about the Corinth Green Market. It takes place tomorrow, and on the line with us is Brandy Steen. Brandy, thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So give us an idea of what the Corinth Green Market is all about.
0: The current screen market is an open air market that allows local craftsmen to bring out their wares and sell. So everything that's supposed to be available is supposed to be hand grown produce or it's supposed to be handcrafted goods.
2: Well, and you guys really do stick to that standard. I spent a little time on your website this morning and um really the quality of the products you're featuring is really just so exciting, outstanding.
0: Oh, thank you. We we strive to maintain Uh, maintain that quality, actually.
2: And Brandy, where are your craftsmen coming from? Are they all Mississippi-based?
0: They're actually not all Mississippi-based. Since we are in the northeast corner of Mississippi, we get a lot of Tennessee people and a lot of Alabama. So you have craftsmen from Tennessee, Alabama, and Mississippi.
2: That's great. And now uh, the the event taking place this weekend is, is really a special edition, something you call the Red Green Market.
0: Yes. The red-green market tends to be our larger market. Um, We actually have 75 vendors signed up, and it's totally full. And it's just a great opportunity to come out and buy some handcrafted, unique gifts to give for Christmas presents.
2: Right. This is your eighth year running. I know that you've been awarded the best small event by the Mississippi Tourism Association, so it just sounds like you're growing and um, really doing good things in Corinth. But I'd like for you to tell the listeners a little bit about the location where you host the market, because it's really unique.
0: It is. We actually uh, we have a huge garden space out in front of the Crossroads Museum which this is a banner fundraiser for the museum. So all the vendors are helping support us. (laughs) So that's a great thing. Um, What it is, is it's called the Care Garden and it's the Corinth Alcorn Reaching for Excellence. And that's a part of the Pierce Foundation. And they created this big garden space because they saw a need. They didn't just want it to be concrete anymore. So they actually allow us to use the green space to do different things for the community. And any time that it's free and open to the community, you get to use that space. So that's actually where it goes, and it's in downtown Corinth. So it's something different because you can actually park on the sidewalk. You can walk up to the local shops. You can come back down and shop, take in a little lunch downtown, and then you can head out.
2: Well, and the the green space really is so attractive. You're there at um, the historic um, depot, the historic Corinth depot, um, but you've got a a cool boxcar on the grounds. There's picnic tables and places for kids to play. Um, I know it's going to be a beautiful day on Saturday for the event.
0: Yes, and I think it's supposed to be a little bit chillier, but, hey, we've had worse weather, so I'm happy to have 55 degrees in the (laughs) sunshine.
2: Now, Brandy, can you tell us a little bit about the Crossroads Museum?
0: Yes. Um, what the Crossroads Museum is, is we actually have local history inside the building. We have a little bit of Civil War, aviation. The coat Museum is still housed inside here for just a little bit longer. And we've actually brought in a Smithsonian exhibit. The Smithsonian exhibit, we didn't have enough sports space here at the museum. So the Smithsonian exhibit actually opens up Saturday at 10 a.m. at the Corinth Library. And um, it's about hometown teams, which is how sports shapes America. And so people can actually go up there and see the exhibit, come down here and shop. And also inside the museum, we're doing photos with Santa. This is our fourth year of having photos with Santa, and everyone just absolutely loves it.
1: So as Mary Market mentioned, this is the eighth year. Give us an idea of sort of the genesis of this idea. Why do you think it's important to have a green market, to have these uh, locally produced uh, uh, goods and, and foods available?
0: Well, whenever they first created it, tourism, actually created the green market back all those years ago and we've just kind of acquired it through the years it was a need that was not being met inside our community we didn't have anywhere for local craftsmen to come you know it's just you have all these people that can do crafts and can design beautiful items but there wasn't there wasn't anywhere that they could really set up other than just a couple of flea markets Having and letting the craftsmen come set up brings something more a little unique to Corinth and to downtown because you can actually, you get to come out here and these are one of kind items because let's just face it, I try to craft something and it's not going to be the same the second time around. (laughs) You get something unique each time that you purchase something and it makes those presents a little bit more special to people even during the year. And of course we have the baked goods here and everything's home baked, so it's all under the cottage food setting, so you actually get a little bit more pure, almost, and more a little bit more organic with your items.
2: Absolutely. You've got, um, you know, honey for sale. There's uh, great locally produced sourdough bread, some beautiful jewelry from Rescued Relics out of um, – uh, I just lost it, uh, but out of the um, North Mississippi area. Um, so some really great products, and um, I know this will be a good time for folks to really uh, take that big jump on their holiday shopping.
0: Yes, and that's what we're looking forward to. Everyone loves it. It's just a great time to come out and shop and visit and mingle and eat and just have a good time.
1: All right. Uh, Brandy, thanks for joining us. Uh, that's going to wrap us up for today. A reminder, the, uh, the Green Market in Corinth will be held tomorrow from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., So I'm Kevin Farrell. I've filled in for Sherita Brent this week here with Mary Margaret Miller and Camille King from Visit Mississippi. We'll be back next Friday at 10 for another Next Stop Mississippi. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.